podcast contains spoilers for the conversation. You have been warned. KFR News Radio, this is your host, Glenjamin Button, along with your host, Miguel Magusto. They're in the walls. They're everywhere. They're listening to us. Damn them. Oh, oh wait, that's the point of a podcast, is for people to listen to us. Absolutely. Oof. That was a close one. Hey, how you doing, Glenn? How you doing, Glenn? Well, not good anymore. My headphones just unplugged themselves somehow. What oh, the no. Fuck? Does it work if you plug it back in? <laughs> plug it back in? Hold on a second. Can you hear me? I think my my headphone jack is a little like loose, oh, yeah. if that makes sense. So a little loosey goosey. Uh, the stick doesn't exactly fit the hole. Mm, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Mm. Yeah, I have that problem. Anyway, how are you, Mike? <laughs> I'm good. How are you? Very troubleshooting failures over here, but oh, um, yes. other than that, I'm peachy keen. That's great. That's great. Uh, speaking of peachy keen, mm. this has nothing to do with it. How many movies did you watch in the past week? Uh, what was the last movies we actually said out loud uh, to each other? Well, we recorded on the 2nd of May. Mm-hmm. So, mm-hmm. I don't know if you have the diary up on your letterboxed. Uh, I, I do. So, I have the Northman, on, on, but, which we both we, did we, reviews yeah, for. We talked about that, yep. Other than that, uh, I did nothing but watch Doctor Strange, which, of course, we have a review for. Yes, a lovely um, review. And then I decided to make, now this has nothing to do with what I watched, but I get a lot of questions of what I would recommend to people. Mm-hmm. So on Letterboxd, I made a nice little, this, I guess this is a plug, early plug, welcome. How, hey everybody, how you doing? Um, nice little uh, uh, list of my lifetime must-watches because I'm, I get annoyed of every day somebody asking me what I should or what they should watch. I'm like, mm-hmm. please just look at this and just go for it. Go nuts. Yeah. So I, like, I made that little list, and I, I kind of want to go back and start watching some, to be honest. Yeah, I have a similar list. It's not exactly for that reason. I have all of my five-star rated movies mm-hmm. on a list. Uh, there's about like 100-something, 150, I think, if mm-hmm. not more. Um, and I could probably add more. Like some, There's some four-and-a-half, yeah. four-star ratings that are really good. But I might I, do the same thing. I curated mine to be, even if it's not exactly a five and like, you know, obviously four, even three and a half, mm-hmm. or threes, whatever the fuck, there, there's, there's movies out there that could just straight up be, you know, you should watch them. <laughs> like yeah. fucking, for some, I think for some reason I would add the Power Rangers movies from the 90s. Or oh movie. yeah, I mean, those are just fun, especially for people our age. That, that, that's a random honky-tonk but donkey donk and that, that's hearsay at this point. Um, <laughs> what are you, Johnny Depp, uh, I, Amber Heard's lawyers? Aquaman. <laughs> <laughs> that, dude, that's been uh, an existence of my life for yeah. way too long now, and I want it to be I over. am looking at this list, and I'm loving it so far. So It's good. still in progress. I kind of sat down one night for like an hour and just yeah. added a bunch of shit, but... There's still a bunch of stuff that needs to be added. Yeah. But I just got tired of, like, constantly being asked, and I was like, please, here, click, copy, paste. (laughs) Yeah, that's awesome. Uh, I I might do the same thing. So, yeah, I watched one movie. (laughs) (laughs) Hey, you know what? 
uh, you're only shooting yourself in the foot for when we have to do the stonies. So yeah, absolutely. <laughs> that's all on you. I'm caught up. I don't stress around the stonies because I don't have much to watch. Mm-hmm. But anyway, you're always the, the golden goose. I am. I am the golden goose. Uh, but I have watched six movies in a TV show. Oh. Uh, TV show that I started before this week, but then f- finished this week. Uh, the first one was for the Thousand One Movies You Must See Before You Die series that I'm doing called The Sting with Robert Redford and Paul Newman. That is going to be uh, in June's episode, so you can check out my thoughts on that when that episode rolls along. Then I saw, guess what? Everything, Ooh. everywhere, all at once for the fifth <laughs> time in theaters. Uh, still loved it. Still ugly cried. It, it, I have it's, never had a movie make me cry as much as this movie does. And I don't just understand so it. fucking good. You know what it is? Okay, this is a, a slight spoiler. So skip ahead like 30 seconds if you what? haven't seen everything, everywhere, all at once. But the thing that gets me every time is when uh, Joy starts to like get in the fight stance to fight her mom. And then, mm-hmm. her, and then Evelyn, the mom, does all these moves and then just opens her arms for a hug. That gets me every fucking time. And I don't like it, but I also love it. <laughs> but Welcome yeah. to being a parent. That part, I was just like, oh. <laughs> uh, anyway, <laughs> see everything everywhere all at once. John, uh, um, James, James Wong. James Hong. James Wong? No. James Hong. God damn, what's the grandfather's actor's name? James um, Wong? Fuck, I literally, actually, I did rewatch Blade Runner. For and most he's of in the Blade Runner, yeah. Yeah. Fuck. <laughs> yeah, James Wong. James Hong. Okay, James Wong. James Hong. Just got his, his, uh, his name on the Hollywood Walk of Fame after a 70 career spanning over 700 movies, TV shows. Dude, he's had and a huge career. He, he is. And uh, I was, uh, Daniel Kwan, one of the directors of Everything Everywhere All Once, said that when he, uh, he was um, telling him, James was telling him stories about how when he first started, people mm-hmm. would just refer to him as the Chinaman. And yeah. the fact that he pushed through that to have such a storied career is incredible. James Wong, National Treasure, Love him to death. He is. I hope he keep, he he keeps kicking the best of the best. Yes, yes he is. <laughs> uh, anyway, everything, everywhere, all at once. How many times do I have to tell you, jabronis, to go see it? Just uh, go. Just go see it. Then I watched. Uh, we watched Doctor Strange in the Multiverse of Madness. We have a review for that on our YouTube page. You can check that out. Then for the one thousand and one movies you must see before you die, I watched The Cranes Are Flying, which is a Soviet Union film from nineteen fifty seven. Surprisingly, not full of propaganda. Uh, it's a romance that takes place during World War Two, and instead of being like, "Oh, World War Two was so great," they're like, "Yeah, World War Two kind of sucked for us," uh, which is saying something because so many war movies from back then even uh american war films are just like war is great blah 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 it's like fuck you no it's not Mm -hmm, um mm -hmm. but yeah very very well-made films got incredible cinematography uh anyway uh if you i i might not like it though so check out the (laughs) review of it (laughs) in june when that comes around on uh the cinema bucket list episode uh then i rewatched coco with my my boy my baby Man, boy, special uh, boy. Yeah, and my and my wife. He uh, he liked it a lot. He he, he paid attention way more than I thought he would. Uh, I mean, it does have bright colors and music. So never forget I, when I fell asleep during that movie. I know. Have you ever rewatched it? I, I like three times at least. It's a great movie. It is so good. Yeah. Uh, so yeah, Coco. Then I watched the conversation. We're gonna get to that in a minute. And then I just finished today. 
the Moon Knight series on Disney Plus, uh, Marvel series with Oscar Isaac, mm-hmm. uh, and it's like an Egyptian based superhero with a, Egyptian gods and shit. Uh, all I'm gonna say, way more emotional than I thought it was gonna be. Way more emotional than literally every single Marvel movie combined. Uh, yes, the build up to Iron Man dying was, I guess, sad, but you know, it took too long <laughs> to get there. It took too long to get there. So it wasn't, for me personally, it was not sad by the time that it happened. And with Moon Knight, there's a lot of pain and anguish in it uh, that was not expected from a Disney Plus series, personally. Mm. Uh, so yeah, people should check out Moon Knight. Uh, I really enjoyed it. And, you know, I rarely say I really enjoyed a Marvel movie. Usually it's, it's just like, it's okay. It's pretty damn rare. Uh, but that is all for me. Did you did you talk about Ozark, or did you not finish oh, that yet? I did finish it. It's just not on Letterbox because it's mm. a, a long running series. Uh, Moon Knight will honestly probably be taken off yeah. of uh, uh, of there. Um, but I did watch Ozark as well as the behind the scenes thing for a farewell to Ozark. Ozark finished after four seasons. The fourth season was split up into two parts. I hate it when they do that. Like, oh my god, I've. <laughs> I well, literally would have watched it if it all came out at once. Yeah. And and uh, here I am sitting here not watching well, the second half. Like we we, we flip a roonied, as we yeah. say in the Hicks household, whenever my son flip a roonies in his crib, we call it a flip a rooney. <laughs> but you watched the first half of the fourth season like in three, first, four weeks before I did. No, the first day it came out. <laughs> yeah. And that was like three or four weeks before I watched yeah, it. And then. Uh, and, and then, then here we are, flipper rooney. And guess what? I watched it the first day it came. Out. <laughs> Times well, are wild. Spread out because I can't. I can't binge watch shows yeah. anymore with with uh, uh, my boy, my baby, my baby boy. Uh, mm-hmm. But Ozark finished. Cannot say. The more I see from Jason Bateman, the more I love him. Laura Linney is incredible. She directs a few episodes. Yeah. In in this, I don't know if she directed uh, prior episodes, but in this. Uh, new half of season four well she you know, you know bud um it it, it it just might be that he she might have done a few whoa like, do I we have can't... jason bateman in here uh uh well um let's all right let's settle back now uh let's <laughs> let's take it on back um yes uh, <laughs> uh but i'm not gonna say why but i was reminded of this the episode where he's like thrown in a pit in the uh drug cartel's house mm-hmm. and they in play the trailers metal. not spoiler yeah, it's in the trailer. It's not a spoiler, and is uh, they play metal music to try to torture him, as you know many people do. If I were in that situation, I would just be rocking out. I'd be like, yeah, 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 yeah. Oh, I mean, two yeah, stepping, hundred percent. You'd be jamming. I'd be two stepping around that cell, just like, yeah, motherfucker, <laughs> turn it up, hundred <laughs> percent. So the my the but I also have to pretend like I don't like it so they don't change the music. Like, oh no, this sucks. Oh, this is <laughs> terrible. Blood streaming. <laughs> Fuck. Uh, but yeah, uh, great series. Uh, I'm not gonna really say anything about the ending because I know a lot of people haven't seen it yet, so mm-hmm. I don't want to give any false expectations or anything. You're a good man. But the series overall is really good, and that is all I will say. Uh, but that. Is it? So I guess we should get into our conversation about the conversation. (laughs) This is a world of hidden mics and two-way mirrors. A world where nothing is private. You think we can do this? Later in the week. You think we can do this? Harry Call is an expert. The best there is. 
Let me tell you something about Harry Call. The best bar none. I'll drink to that. Best what? The best bugger on the West Coast. The Conversation. A paranoid, secretive surveillance expert has a crisis of conscience when he suspects that the couple he is spying on will be murdered. Directed by Francis Ford Coppola and written by uh, stars Gene Hackman, uh, John Cazale, Alan Garfield, Harrison Ford's in there, Cindy mm-hmm. Williams, uh, Michael Higgins. There's a lot of people. A lot of people, a lot of conversations, a lot of words, a lot of speaking going on. I in thought you were going to say Michael Hicks for a second. I was like, I'm not in <laughs> Michael David they Charles Hicks. Robert Duvall's in it. Was that him? That, that was that Robert w- Duvall, yeah. That you know, I saw the back of his head, and I'm like, that back of the head looks super familiar. I know that male pattern baldness <laughs> anywhere. <laughs> That's uh, some Godfather type like shit. But yeah, this uh, you picked this one. Uh, mm-hmm, do you want to mm-hmm. go into a little bit of why you picked it? Yeah. Um. So uh, last week we were talking about Johnny Depp, obviously, and then for some reason, like I was like, I haven't watched a Johnny Depp movie in a while, and then for some reason, it also stemmed to the point where, like, I'm curious as to what. Movies of an actor I haven't seen in a while. And, of course, Gene Hackman, uh, the man, the myth, the legend, has been retired for a very long time. Uh, Mm. And I was like, God damn, Mike hasn't seen one of his movies, and neither have I. This works out perfectly. Yeah. Um, And and Gene's a fucking, he's an amazing actor. Um, Mm -hmm. And I was like, God, well, we're going to do it. Because that's, I do my best not to pick things like at least one of us has seen, because yeah, it, it broadens our horizons a little bit. Mm-hmm. Um, so this is why I picked this one. Yeah. Um, still, uh, don't know how I feel about it. Okay. That's that. So that's gonna be a, a little heads up to you. All right. So uh, f- first off, uh, Francis Ford Coppola, as we all know, directed uh, the Godfather trilogy. He directed Apocalypse Now. He uh, he is well known with all of his films uh, mm-hmm. for ha- as long as his career has been. Not that many movies. A lot of people by this time would have had like 60 movies made. Uh, he has had about 37 because he is very, I guess, picky and also yeah. has trouble getting things made. Um but uh, he is definitely one of the best directors around uh, to have ever lived. And I hated how much I liked this movie. Just kidding. <laughs> I, li- I liked how much I liked this movie. Uh, I-, I wanted to pull at you for a second. Uh, you-, you got um, me good. <laughs> <laughs> but I, I kind of knew we were in for a... I don't like using the word masterpiece because I feel like people overuse it. Yeah. Uh, but I knew we were in for a very good example of good filmmaking, which is way longer to say than masterpiece. Mm-hmm. <laughs> with the opening se- uh, sequence. Because it just sets the tone perfectly with that wide shot that just slowly zooms in at, to the point where, like, you don't even know who we're supposed to be focusing on. And then mm-hmm. Gene Hackman just moves across frame. And that <laughs> is so incredibly hard because you see his feet. They don't have really any markers, like any visible markers. Yeah. So, like, I don't think people appreciate how difficult that is from that far away to have someone hit their mark when you're not able to have markers on the floor because especially before computers were used because now that you could just erase them digitally you couldn't yeah. do that back then uh so 
and it just completely sets the tone for this film where, you know, we could be all be being watched or listened to at any given moment, which is where it sets the paranoia in. And like even a movie that's 50 years old almost, mm-hmm. it still makes you feel like that, even though our, our technology is like super advanced compared to this by now. But like mm-hmm. a movie that's 50 years old and still makes you feel paranoid is fucking wild to me. Oh, yeah. It, the, the pacing is incredible. The, the intensity is incredible for this this film. Uh, it's it's one that stands the test of times. There's a lot of like you said, or we're hinting at there's a lot of movies that's like 50 years old where it's like, it's good, but you could feel that things were still being figured out back then. Mm-hmm. Uh, this felt like it had everything figured out. It uh, also helped that there was, as far as world building went, like it helped that there was like literally uh, at one point, there's a whole basically spy convention going on. Oh yeah. So, um, this Which is, I don't super, doubt exists. This is super <laughs> fucking random, but like, it's like, Imagine, like, a John Wick world, but, you know, for spies. Yeah. <laughs> it's not that at all, but it is at the same time. Technically for surveillance, but, like, the kind of surveillance yeah. they're doing is spying. Uh, what do they call it? Buggers in this movie? Like, yeah, they're, bug, they're, like they're bugging, bugging phones. Bugging phones, bugging toilets, yada, yada. You know, there's, like, a whole, like, war, a group of people that are just dedicated to just, like, their job and everything. And like John Wick, they know who Harry Call is, who Gene Hackman's character yeah. is. Like, 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 oh, I've heard all about you. I, I, I'm honored to meet you. Stuff like that. Just, you know, mm-hmm. it's it. You, uh, you're right. It, it builds the world very well with just the, the hint, that it is bigger than what it appears to be at first. Mm-hmm. And I guess while I'm while I'm struggling on on how I feel about this movie, mm-hmm. like it, it's it's so good. But at the same time, there's so many, like, to me, uh, minuscule things where I was like, ah, God, I don't know how I felt about that. That was so weirdly drawn out. And then, like, the the end, and, like, I'm I'm just kind of badgering around right now, but the end felt like I wish it would have ended on a certain point, and then it kept going. And that's, it's, yeah. it's, 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 it's wild. I don't, I, I don't could, know. I could see that. Um yeah, I, I could see that. I don't know if I necessarily agree, but I I, I can see what you're getting at. Uh, what at what least parts? Ten minutes, easy. Like that's that's all. Not not yeah. anything like crazy, like half an hour or anything like that. What parts would you say were too drawn out? I want to see if we feel similarly because <laughs> I know I brought it up, but I'd, I kind of want to wait for the end. That way we can talk about it later. But, okay. Um, yeah. Um. It, it was really it was amping up itself a lot during the whole conversation right in the beginning. And mm-hmm. then at, at points it felt like it was going somewhere and then they were having like a meeting and it, it like the meeting felt forced. Like everybody, uh, how do I say this without sounding fucking stupid? Um, <laughs> <laughs> no, the meeting, the meeting after the spy convention was really cool. Cause what like Gene, the the little soiree they had at his place? Yeah, they like they all came back to his place. We're making drinks. They're like, hey, hey, hey. Uh, what's his name? I'm sorry, I'm an idiot. Uh, Harry. They're like, hey, Harry, what what the fuck is going on? Give me your tools. What are you doing, Harry? Hey, let me know. <laughs> it's mainly Bernie doing that. Play yeah, by Garfield. but it, it that whole scene was super cool because it showed you how paranoid 
uh, Gene Gene Hackman's character, as far yeah, as like you know, not his every, character n- was, to talking to anybody. Period. Mm-hmm. And then you know, and like no one else in his field is as paranoid as he is. Yeah, and you know, he's obviously the most expertise person he is because he's so paranoid, and mm-hmm. be, you know all this. And like, like I li- really like that scene, and then he. This is this is the part that bothered me is that he just opened up to this this chick that he was talking to. As as much as I love that scene and everything, Harry as a person, I feel like would be smarter than to just open up like that, but also as the synopsis says, and this is where I'm kind of redundant myself, he is uh what's the word he's got a he's got a conscience so he's like he's like oh, i'm going to tell you my life story and and just spills the beans this this man who's absolutely paranoid the shit just spills the beans to i guess i guess his 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 past life i don't exactly remember it off the top of my head but I feel like the most paranoid bugger in the world wouldn't just spill beans like that, and then it becomes like a whole thing where he gets super pissed off because he did get bugged uh, while spilling the beans to this super cute blonde chick. See, that's why I like it, because it shows that he wants to be normal. He doesn't want to be paranoid. So Mm -hmm. he tries tries to open up with a woman that kind of looks like the woman he kind of more or less rejected beforehand because she was yeah. asking too much of him. Uh, I mean, they're they're just blonde. They don't look like exactly. Yeah, they're literally it, just it, blonde. Yeah, it, there, but there's hair. that familiarity. There's that familiarity, and and you know she's being extremely uh, um, oncoming, coming on like she's coming yeah. on to him extremely hard, and I think just through him wanting to be normal and wanting to feel something had a moment of weakness. Maybe he had a little, I, I don't remember him drinking specifically, but you know, it was a little soiree. Maybe I think, he had a little I think bit they were all making drinks for yeah, everybody. So I don't think his, his, uh, his mind was completely there. Mm-hmm. And then when he finds out that he spilled his beans and he was being recorded the whole time, it just shelter. He just shelters himself even more to the point where when he spends the night with his woman, he doesn't say a word to her the rest of the time. Yeah. So I personally love that while I, I completely understand where you're coming from, I kind of empathize with him wanting to connect with her and yeah, uh, you I, know, kind of being tired of being lonely in a way. Yeah, I get, I get the his whole you know breaking down. He's not a fucking robot. He's a human being. Yeah, exactly. So like I get, I get that a hundred percent. I just feel like he would be smarter. It's 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 a double edged sword. You know, yeah. it's to me. It's like I feel like he would be smart enough, but he was human enough to cave in and release emotion like a normal human being mm-hmm. and and tell his story and everything like that. Um, really weird thing was seeing Harrison Ford absolutely young as shit in this. Yeah. <laughs> I don't even remember how old he was in this because I remember every Star 30. Wars fan in the world wants you to know that he's a he was a carpenter and that's how he started he, acting. He was 32 when, when this Holy. came out. He looks um, like a a twenty year old at least. <laughs> yeah, he was. He's my age in in this movie, um, but I think the uh, the whole character of Harry Call, Gene Hackman's character, mm-hmm. is so well made. Like, yes, it, it you know it has its moments where the audience could feel one way or the other. 
Yeah. Which is completely fine for as, for it, as it shows you right now. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Um, but the thing, it's a little thing, but it's something that I really, really, really enjoyed is that they showed him just jamming out on the saxophone to show that like, his whole life isn't just surveillance. Like he, he desperately wants to do other things, but he's just so good at surveillance and it's mm-hmm. made him so paranoid that he can't really do anything else except for, like, play saxophone. I thought it was a brilliant touch to add just a little bit of character, you know, a little bit of life before, uh, during, after, and et cetera. Even, even right in the beginning, you were, you were like, sitting there hoping that he was actually playing in front of, like, a live audience. And then as it, as it, as it zoomed out, you saw that it was just a recording. You're like, oh, no, the sadness yeah. is, is breaking me. Yeah. Damn it. <laughs> yeah, definitely. Um but it's it's a very intense film. The the thing a thing that really helped me, uh, or helped the film rather, uh, is the score. I don't know if you noticed the music, but the music by David Shire, uh, who did the uh, score, it just was so. And yes, I agree that you really shouldn't notice music in movies. It should just kind mm-hmm. of be like it should be an underscore, which I believe is where the word score comes from. Um, but it should. Enhance but not distract. But uh, but I, I I always like listen for the music and go out of my way to listen for it. So it's not a bad thing when I say uh, mm-hmm. that I really thought the music enhanced this movie a lot. It, it kind of added a slight noir feel to it. Uh, made the film uneasy even when it was just people walking around. Uh, so like technically, I, I, it's just a I I really don't have much negative to say about it because it's just a well-made movie for everything from the music to the editing to the performances and the writing. Um, yeah. And it, I, I do I do like that it, the characters are complex enough where people can have differing opinions of it too because it's, it's more annoying when it just feels like we're being told how to feel about the, the actor or the, the character. Yeah, especially with the characters. Like, you don't know who to exactly trust because you're seeing it in uh, Harry's eyes. So you don't know exactly mm-hmm. who to trust. Everybody's kind of like, lack of a better word, kind of stale in the way they're performing. But they're, obviously they're real humans. Um, yeah. But it's just how Harry sees them is that he's just he's always kind of paranoid about who's doing what, and you know, especially Harrison Ford. Uh, he was always walking kind of like a robot towards towards Gene Hackman and everything like that. Yeah. Um, my negatives about this movie aren't like groundbreaking where I'd put it at like a, a two or anything, but like, mm-hmm. it's, it's just, I don't know how to exactly where to score it above that. And it, it, it freaks me out <laughs> just, just like Gene Hackman. I don't know where to be right now. <laughs> yeah, no, I, I totally get that. It is a very, uh, it's an experience of a movie and I, mm-hmm. I, I keep you, I keep using that word for movies lately and I hate it because I hate it's it when better people are like, oh, masterpiece. Yeah. I, it's like, oh, it's an experience. It's like, well, you're just telling me that it's a movie that doesn't make sense. And because that's that, those are usually the movies that are described as experiences. Mm-hmm. Uh, mm-hmm. David Lynch fans, I'm looking at you. Um, <laughs> but uh, I, for the record, I have no problem with David Lynch fans, but don't tell me that he's a good storyteller. Uh, I think that this is an experience while also telling a good story because. You are. It's going to make you feel one way or the other, and it really depends on the, the viewer more than it does the the film. Mm-hmm. Um, which, which I is, think this is is literally a perfect example right now. 
Yeah. Um, between us two, because normally you and I are both on the same page. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. To a fault, honestly, it kind of sometimes yeah. makes our 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 little review company here boring. Yeah. <laughs> but uh, and that's really the the most you can ask from a movie is is for for it to not sway you to feeling a certain way, but just presenting the story as is and then just having you run with it in one mm-hmm. way or the other. Um, so I really, like I said, I really enjoyed this. Uh, I don't really have too much to say. I feel like I've said everything. Um, so maybe we could talk about the ending like you you want to do a bit. Absolutely. Um, the, the point where... Uh, I was feeling like it, it might have dragged maybe not 10 minutes, maybe literally even five minutes. Like mm-hmm. it, it's, it's not as bad when, when he found out at the end, spoilers, um, when he found out that it wasn't the girl who got killed, that it was actually, uh, it was the director obviously. Right. Yeah. Robert Duvall. Um, yeah. That, and then, you know, he was, uh, he was playing saxophone and then Harrison Ford called Cause, and then he starts, like, looking for the bug and all that. It, it starts to kind of drag him looking for the bug, and then he starts playing the saxophone again. Mm-hmm. I feel like as soon as he got that call, sat down and maybe, I don't I don't know, I, maybe, maybe I'm wrong in it. I felt like that as soon as he found out that it was the director that got killed, I feel like that's when it started dragging. Mm-hmm. Um, I don't know. I um, could see that. But uh, the, the the one thing that I will say is that he tore apart his whole house, right? Mm-hmm. And he never, he didn't once look in his saxophone, did he? Uh, that's what I was thinking. Um, mm-hmm. But all, at the same time, I mean, granted, it's a movie. Yeah. So putting a microphone in a, a, a machine that makes, or a device that makes noise would not be the best thing to do because mm-hmm. when they when Harrison Ford plays back the recording, you hear the record that he's playing along with. If the yeah. microphone was in the saxophone, you probably would not hear that. Um, again, that's just in reality. Yeah, uh, <laughs> I just he tore everything apart. Literally everything. Everything is yeah. destroyed in his apartment. Yeah, the but, floors ripped up. The uh, but the saxophone to me as you know an idiot. I would be like, it's probably in the saxophone. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Here we I mean, are. <laughs> it, it, in in the world of the movie, it very well could have. Yeah. Um. I think. I I don't know what to think about where it was. Uh. Maybe. The, him playing the saxophone showed that maybe he just didn't care anymore. Maybe. Um, yeah. Maybe even in like the sole of one of his shoes or something like that. Sole just one of his shoes. Something obscure because they talk about clothing a lot when yeah. the, all the all the buggers are together, um, but I mean it literally could have been anywhere. At one point, he literally does the one the the East Coast guy is what I'll call him because I don't remember his name. Um, it's Bernie. Bernie. He does say like you just got to know what clothes they're wearing that day and just shit like that. So yeah. it, it very well could have been just something he was wearing that day, um, and that's that's kind of where. I'm I'm tug of warring myself as far as you know where I'm at with this movie because it was it was good it was really good mm-hmm. but it was also like it had me questioning so many things at the same time yeah. and <laughs> I just want to know where I stand and it might have to be <laughs> a second watch and that's that's the crazy part about yeah. it yeah 
I I really liked it. I liked how towards the end it kind of became a horror movie. Yeah. Um, with when he's like trying to save uh, Anne and uh, the guy. I don't remember if they ever say the guy's name. Um, I don't think they ever did. But like when he witnesses the murder and then he goes into the hotel room to investigate and then he flushes the toilet and just blood comes out of the uh, the gooseneck pipe thing mm-hmm. uh, into the to the bowl. It's just visually that, that was so sh- horrifying. Sorry, that was some shit that I would have just seen out of like Amityville Horror. Exactly. Then, then, yeah. then I was like, I want to see Gene Hackman in Amityville Horror. Yeah, but it's it's stuff like that where it's just like it, it makes you question what is real and what isn't, and then of course it shows you that it was real and everything. But it it it's it feels like a dream, um, and it's just really well made, and I I understand why you're kind of like iffy about it i mm-hmm. was going purely off of how it made me feel when i watched it and it made me feel things oh, that's such a good feeling yeah it made me the, feel like it was a, it was it was very intense it was uh you know very different from other gene hackman things i had seen mm-hmm. super uh, very <laughs> understated unlike other uh francis ford coppola films because he usually goes way over the top in a good way but like this is very subdued compared to like The Godfather, yeah, and and Bram Stoker's D- Dracula and and all that. Um, so I, I liked it. I liked it a lot. I think the uh, the last thing I really have to say about it is, I liked kind of all the sound effects and all the distortions that there were, and all the oh, yeah. low low or high pass that there was, <laughs> um, that that there was during the kind of investigating parts and just you know when they were you know spying, um, I, I thought that was that was really cool. They really just kind of added all they could to just random shit, mm-hmm. but in, and it just made it more kind of significant to the film. Yeah, definitely. But yeah, that's that's all I've really got. Yeah, same here. So that does it for our review. That brings us to the judgment of the conversation, direct, written directed by Francis Ford Coppola. As always, it needs to be a unanimous decision whether or not it goes on the shelf with the likes of Apostle and Handmaiden. Glenn, you picked ah, this. I did, and that's so what you makes it first. so fucking wild. Um, <laughs> man, uh, it's not oft, often where I get left kind of not exactly speechless like i talked a lot during this um to where i get left on the exact middle ground on how i feel about putting it on the shelf or not mm-hmm. um because it, it it was so good but at the same time like there was it just made you feel some certain ways that were like do i exactly want to put it on there i think overall when i do watch it a second time i think i will want to put it on mm-hmm. um so I'm just going to go ahead and assume that I'm going to when I do watch it the second time. Okay. Um, it, it was good, especially Gene Hackman's great with his, he was, he was super paranoid and it was just so good. Mm-hmm. Um, sound effects, all that. So I, th- I think, I think I would eventually say, yes, I'd put it on. I'm thinking ahead of myself. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. I got you. Uh, I absolutely love that this made us feel completely different because that doesn't happen very often it, it does not uh, and i i know ultimately you'll probably feel the same way but it's making you think more mm-hmm. whereas for me as soon as the credits started rolling i was like i'm gonna say yes that's going on the shelf <laughs> because i really enjoyed it i thought it was very well made i i love 
like understated movies, movies with paranoia and intense thrillers like this. Uh, mm-hmm. So this just had everything that I, I look for in movies. And the fact that it's uh, 48 years old, almost 50 years old. It's and, it's getting there. It's crazy. And, and still holds up is just just great. Um, I, th- I think that alone, just the, the fact that I said earlier, almost 50 years old and it still makes you feel paranoid almost automatically puts it on the yeah. shelf. And I used to say, uh, everyone says like The Godfather Part 2 or The Godfather is Francis Ford Coppola's movie, best movie. Uh, I would always just say Apocalypse Now is his best film. Mm-hmm. Now I'm thinking, maybe it's the conversation. It's, it's, it's almost a three-way tie. <laughs> I mean, the conversation wins by runtime alone. Yeah. It's, it's the only one under three hours, and it's under two hours. So <laughs> there is that. Uh, so... Uh, the conversation goes onto the shelf with the likes of Apostle and Handmaiden. That brings us to our assignment for next week. It is streaming roulette week. Huzzah! 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 Uh, for those of you who don't know, anytime we do streaming roulette, we spin a very real physical wheel that is about 70 miles wide. Uh, <laughs> we spin it three times, and it has all the movies of all the streaming services we subscribe to. And uh, the... Best one or the one that we're more interested in out of those three is the one we're going to watch. So without any further ado, here comes the first spin. Oh, yeah. Also has to be at least a year old. (sighs) Oh, I can't do this. Road to Perdition. We've already done that. Damn it. Damn it. We've done that. It it was a streaming roulette pick and we did it on the podcast. Let's see how bad it is. It could be terrible. (laughs) It could be bad again (laughs) uh, or good again. Anyway, (laughs) spinning again. Oh, okay. I've seen this. White Christmas. It is a Danny Kaye movie with Bing Crosby. Well, it's not a Danny Kaye movie. Um, White Christmas from 1954. Uh, It is a successful song and dance team become romantically involved with a sister act and team up to save the failing Vermont Inn of their former commanding general. Happens all the time. Yep. Directed by Michael Curtis, uh, written by Norman Krasna. Norman Panama. Oh, two Normans. And Melvin Frank. Why couldn't Melvin be named Norman? Terrible. Uh, <laughs> starring Bing Crosby, Danny Kay, Rosemary Clooney, who is George Clooney's aunt, mm. and Vera Ellen. Uh, that is going to be available on Netflix. Uh, so that's White yeah. Christmas. That is the first pick. Uh, <clears throat> before I move forward, I will. all I will say now is when I was a kid, this is like one of my fam- family's favorite Christmas movies. When I was a kid, I hated it. I will not tell you how I feel now, but I loathed it when I was a kid. <laughs> and might still loathe it, so who knows? Absolutely terrible. Uh, <laughs> spin number two. <laughs> Howl's Moving Castle. I feel like you've probably seen that. Believe it or not, I have not. Ooh, okay. Um, a lot of the Ghibli movies, I've been trying to wait for the whole Jubilee Fest that they've got on, uh, Regal. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um. The only one that I have seen is um, one that I cannot remember off the top of my head. So I'm spirited okay. away. Okay. Um, but I've been trying to watch all of these in theaters. Uh, will we pick it? We'll find out. We'll find out. So Howl's Moving Castle is on HBO Max. When an unconfident young woman is cursed with an old body by a spiteful witch, her only chance of breaking the spell lies with a self-indulgent yet insecure young wizard and his companions in his legged walking castle. 
uh, mm-hmm, directed mm-hmm. by Hayu Miyazaki. Uh, Miyazaki. Miyazaki. Hey, how do you pronounce the first name? That's the Hayo Miyazaki. Hayo Miyazaki. Written by Hayo Miyazaki and Diana Wynne Jones. It's based on her novel. Uh, it is starring. Chieko Baisho, I, I apologize ahead of time if I mispronounce these, mm-hmm. uh, Takuya Kimura, Tatsua Gashwin, and Akihiro Miwa. Uh, that is, again, Howl's Moving Castle on HBO Max. And that brings us to our last and final spin. The Maltese Falcon. Ooh. Holy shit, two oldies. 1941. It is uh, available on HBO, HBO Max as Max. well. Uh, I have seen this full full disclosure. San mm. Francisco private detective Sam Spade takes on a case that involves him with three eccentric criminals, a gorgeous liar, and their quest for a priceless statuette with the stakes rising after his partner is murdered. One thing I've noticed from doing these cinema bucket list things, I am much better at dry reading. Mm-hmm, than mm-hmm. I ever have been before. Like, I didn't stutter on any of these synopsises. Not a single one. Not a single one. So, thank you, Cinema Bucket List. Go watch Cinema Bucket List, people. Mm-hmm, Sh- mm-hmm. Shameless self-plug. <laughs> uh, it is directed by the great John Huston. Uh, ri- that's me saying it, not not other people. Uh, written by John Huston and based on the novel by Dashiell Hammett, uh, starring the great Humphrey Bogart. Uh, that's, again, me saying that. Mary Astor, Gladys George, Peter Laurie. Uh, let's see if there's anyone else that other people will know. Peter Laurie's great, by the way. He is the great Peter Laurie. He's so uh, great. Yeah, no one else. I, I know a few of these people, but no one that people would be like, oh, yeah. Uh, so that is the Maltese Falcon on HBO Max. So we have White Christmas from 1954, Howl's Moving Castle from 2004, and the Maltese Falcon uh, from 1941. If I'm honest, I've seen White Christmas and the Maltese Falcon, and I know you're waiting to see Howl's Moving Castle in theaters. So mm-hmm. I'm going to let you pick. I'm going to go with your pick regardless. Um, so I, I, with all the Ghibli films, I do want to see them in theaters. Will mm-hmm. I be upset if I don't? Absolutely not. But what I am leaning towards is the Maltese Falcon because I have heard of this movie and I did eventually want to see it. Okay. But again, between the two, it's kind of a tie of what I actually do want to see at least this week. Okay. Will I be upset if I (laughs) watched Hal's Moving Castle? No, but I do want to see that in theaters. Okay. Well, if you are kind of not saying anything, pick a number between one and 100. Seven. Okay, it's very far away from... <laughs> Do your math, it's okay. I don't even know what I was going to go with that. <laughs> okay, yeah, okay. Just no, redo we're going to redo it, we're going to redo it. So I'm doing a number between 1 and 9,999. If it is even, we will go with Hal's Moving Castle. If it is odd, we'll go with the Maltese Falcon. Perfect. Sound, sound good? Okay. Yeah. Seven. <laughs> you, you don't need to pick one. Uh, so the number that came up is 1,419, so it looks like we will be watching The Maltese Falcon. <laughs> uh, again, that is on HBO Max. Uh, I have seen this before. Uh, I liked it, but I remember being like, why is this as acclaimed as it is? Because everyone loses yeah. their shit over The Maltese Falcon. I wonder if I will feel the same way when I rewatch it. We will see. Mm-hmm. Come closer. 
I want to talk to you. I'm going to tell you an astounding story. The story of the Maltese Falcon. 600 years, the Falcon has carried the mystery of a fabulous wealth under its grotesque wings. I could tell you a thousand tales of the men and women who have hunted this evil bird. But every story has the same ending. Murder. Listen to these incredible people, all consumed by their passionate greed for the Maltese falcon. So that is going to be on HBO Max. Thank you, everyone, for listening. As always, you can check out our website at www.keystonefilmreview.com. On Instagram, we're Keystone underscore film underscore review. Twitter, Keystone underscore film. Facebook, Keystone Film Review. TikTok, Keystone Film Review. YouTube, Keystone Film Review. And on Letterboxd, I am Mike KFR. And I'm Glenn KFR. And that will do it until next week when we watch one of the greatest actors to have ever lived, Humphrey Bogart, do something with a fake falcon that has a lot of gay undertones. Ooh. Yes. That got past the censors. Here we are. (laughs) Here we are. Looking forward to it. Mm. Goodbye, everybody. Bye-bye.